This episode of the Cutting Edge Podcast is brought to you by GlassGadget.com. Showcase Innovations creates tools that help shower door installers be more efficient and save time. Check out GlassGadget.com for more information. Hello there. It's time for another Facebook Live here on the Shower Door Professionals Group. As you know, we're here every Wednesday evening, 5.30 Pacific time. So uh, thanks for joining us. If you want to join us here in the Zoom room, you can always just click on the link in the group there. Um, I've posted it in this, the description. So you can come on in and join us and hang out if you'd like. Hey, I'm really excited um, to have as our guest host this evening, Chance Foreman. Chance is um, quite an, an incredible young guy. He um, is one of the founders of Glass Experts Partners. I think he's an owner at Ames uh, Glass. I don't know if he's the owner or just one of the owners. I know that he um, is also involved in Brandon DeCastro's uh, operation out there, GCS Glass. Um, I'm going to give him a chance to tell us a little bit more about everything he's involved in and how he does it all and what he's going to do next. So um, at this time, it's my pleasure to introduce Chance. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, um, I'm doing really good. You guys hear me all right? <laughs> yes, great. Cool. Um, really, I'm just like, uh, the community is what makes me so excited. Like, it's really cool to have um, a bunch of cool guys from all ages and um, even levels inside the business coming together and getting to um, to talk from installers to owners and owners at different calipers. And um, I mean, being involved in something like this has really been super beneficial for me. I'm not a big Facebooker. Um, so the, the, the Wednesday night calls where I actually get to talk to human beings instead of commenting on their stuff um, and hoping they comment back and we have a good conversation. This is more my style. Um, I wanted to talk about like how to simplify your business and your life in order to scale it to more success. And success is defined in all kinds of different ways, um, as we all know. But I want to kind of go back and like maybe I could tell my story a little bit um, and kind of dive into why this is such an important topic to me and hopefully throughout my story and you guys can pick up on some little nuggets um, inside there and maybe some value comes from tonight. Um, if that sounds cool with everybody. That sounds awesome, um, man. Thanks. Ho hopefully I don't bore anybody, but uh, I guess I'll, I'll take it all the way back to I am, I'm a third generation glazer like my man, Billy. Um, we started off, I didn't want to like share my screen or anything. So I'm going to go old school. It's kind of this old picture right here, but that's my grandpa's shop right there. Um, he started in Southeast Houston, Texas in 1977. Um, and he had two younger sons who eventually split off and went and did their own thing. And his best friend, my grandpa's best friend owned a glass company who had two sons um, that were the same age as my uncles. So they were best friends and I always considered them uncles. Well, they all 
had dreams and aspirations of their own and they split off back in the day and went from Houston, Austin and Dallas and tried to like build something a little bit bigger and they parted ways um, down the line. But um, getting back to being a third generation Glazer, I grew up at the shop. Like my, my grandparents were my babysitters. They were my best friends. Uh, my grandpa's like, uh, I mean, that meant everything to me. He passed away last May during all the COVID stuff. Um, but he kind of got the, the whole glass thing started. Um, so I grew up at the shop cutting SSB, cutting mirror, um, polishing things. We had an old wet belt sander. Um, we'd go stand it up against the old wet belt sander. I don't see a lot of guys using those things anymore. Um, but I, I remember even cutting like being 10 years old and people would come up and they'd break their side view mirrors because his, his shop was off a main road and they would break their side view mirrors. Um, and they want them replaced and we're like hey it doesn't really work the same it's not the same type of mirror we don't care just cut it and put it in there so i'll be cutting eighth inch three sixteenths mirror by hand into little patterns and popping them up and you know putting some mirror mastic or gunther or whatever we had at the shop back then um putting it behind there so that was like where my glazing days kind of started um and then right out of high school um, I didn't go to college. I decided to, that it wasn't really for me. Um, and I went to work for my uncle who owned Ames Mirror and Glass. Um, and that was my first job right out of high school. Um, it, didn't, it didn't last real long, to be really honest. I was young and I was dumb and I was um, full of vinegar. And, you know, and uh, his, his partner, um, he fired me for coming in hungover one morning. Um, and, and so that was kind of, that was kind of it. Um, and I started my own glass business. Um, well, actually I started a service company called last chance services. And I used to hang, put up ads on Craigslist and I would hang people's flat screen TVs. Um, and so like a man of many talents, um, that's kind of going to circle back to my, my point or a man of many ambitions and uh, shiny object, object syndrome, like a lot of us entrepreneurs have, right? Um, when I saw an opportunity, I would bounce on it kind of all the time. Um, so I had last chance services when my grandpa had a stroke and I had an opportunity to take over his, his business. And um, during that time, like in the interim of that, I was about 21 at that time. Um, but right before then, I had worked for a commercial company, um, and I got to see how contract glass works. So I worked for a, a smaller operation, but he had the contracts at multiple Bank of Americas, um, multiple downtown buildings, interior and exterior. Um, and then a hurricane came through, and a lot of glass got broken, so he got to fix a lot of it. But where he really made some money was like a lot of the old school 1980s high rises down back then where it had the pebble roofs and all the pebbles scattered around in the hurricane and kind of scratched all the glass. So he got the contracts to replace all this glass and insurance company inspectors were coming by and the most minute thing they were marking and he was getting to replace, right? Um, so he, part he didn't have enough manpower to do it. So he partnered with the union. Um, and when he partnered with the union, um, he was able to get all the manpower he needed 
And over the next 18 months, he did almost $20 million in business just replacing all this glass in downtown Houston. He had six buildings. Um, and he, no, he didn't tell anyone, but he bought a new fleet of trucks and he was the tightest old man there was. But right before the new year, he bought a new fleet of trucks and we were like, everyone was so excited and he bought new racks and all this stuff. And then come January, he sold the business and he didn't tell anybody and he sold all of his contracts and he bought all that stuff for tax write-offs. And then he went back and he sold it right back to, um, right back to the Ford house for the most part. Um, it was, it was really kind of eye opener being a 19, 20 year old kid, seeing so how somebody was like using and manipulating the system. So, uh, um, and not to say it was good or bad, but I, you got, you get to witness how people work and how people operated. So I kind of took note of that, that man. And, uh, he gave his son three contracts. Um, and he sold the company and, um, his son, I hated. So he's the reason I quit. And I went and started the company for my grandpa. Um, and things were going pretty good for my grandpa, but that guy's son would call me back all the time to come. Hey, could you loan me money for this job? I got this bigger project. And he was always doing bigger projects than I was. And I was always doing hackouts and SSB and kind of smaller things. Um, I was chasing storefront cause that's the only bigger stuff I knew back then. Um, and he came to me and wanted, uh, wanted some money one time because he got in a bind and I loaned him the money for 50% buy-in to his business because he had those three contracts. So I could go build those relationships um, and duplicate what his dad did before he was there because he just wasn't doing the thing. Um, well, come to find out, we grew the company and things were going pretty well, um, but he was in tons of debt um, and it was eating us alive and I didn't do my due diligence. So to know before I got into bed with someone um, and into business with someone, what they had going on. I didn't check their paperwork. I didn't really know too much about this guy, except for he had the clients that I wanted. So I was willing to kind of get into business with this guy and kind of hoping I could turn it into something bigger. Um, and it ended up coming back and biting me in the butt. Um, luckily, we were, we were pretty smart in the contracts that we had had. And as a 23-year-old kid, I went to Spring Glass and I negotiated a contract for a million-dollar buyout of our, three, of our three contracts and some smaller, littler contracts that we had picked up. Um, and it was a slow payout, but it was a split. So with all the debt and everything, I ended up getting to walk away with my 500000 you would assume, with right over six figures. Um, and that's all I got to walk away with, but it was still a big chunk of money for a 23 year old kid, right? Um, and I talk a lot and I talk fast. So if I'm going too fast or I'm losing you guys, you know, just yell at me or raise your hand or something. You're doing great, man. Keep it up. All ears. Well, at that point, I had a sour taste in my mouth about the glass business. So I ran from it. Um, and I wanted to do something different. Um, and I, I looked around for a little while, still did other things, but I'd read a quote. And it was a Warren Buffett quote, and I read it out of Jimmy John's on a wall one time. And it was like, every millionaire has seven streams of income. And I was obsessed with those um, seven streams of income, and I thought I had to have them. Um, and I'm going to kind of tie that point into my simplify things. Um, and that, that needs to come at levels. You don't try to go do it all at one time. Um, and I see a lot of people make that mistake because – 
we get so excited and opportunities come and I'm still guilty of it to this day. I'm, uh, I get distracted, I'm ADD. Um, and I know that if you guys run businesses and you're on this call, you probably have a lot of same personality traits that I do um, with that kind of stuff. So hopefully you get some value of learning from my mistakes here. Um, so everything was going pretty good. I had a good amount of money saved up um, and I still was running my little slash chance services contracting business that whole time. So um, it was doing pretty well and producing a pretty good amount of money. And I was getting like referral business from that. Um, but then I got into the cigar lounge um, and I got into the cigar tobacco business. Um, and we built a cigar mecca, I guess you could call it. I had 75 inch flat screens on every wall. We had a custom poker table, leather chairs all over the place. Um, they had a retail side and a private member's side with private lockers um, all backed up to it at a thumbprint scanned entrance. So you had to scan your thumbprint if you were a member and you could come in 24 seven, get into your lockers. I did a lot of research going out to Bill's neck of the woods and like Tampa Bay and a lot of Florida lounges and stuff out there and came back and built something really great. Um, and I was going to franchise it. I had it branded really, really well. Um, and by the time I was 24, I had three offers on that, the cigar lounge. It was called the man cave cigar lounge. I think our website's still up if you want to go check it out. Um, but we were pretty big on Instagram back then. I had like over, 10,000 followers and this is like when Instagram first came out you know like 2012 2013 um, and I, I got three offers to, to buy me out and I was really cocky I was a young kid um, ambitious like I, you know like I'm now I'm gonna turn this into a franchise I'm gonna do something bigger um, I'd I so I turned I turned two down um, the third one didn't come for a little while. Um, but there are seven figure buyouts. Um, someone wanted, and I didn't even own the building, um, which is, I'll get to that story later on why that could be important for you too. Um, I leased the building and I spent well into high six figures, close to seven figures on the build out of the inside of this place. We had over $200,000 air filtration system that matched like Vegas casinos um, because I almost got sued by my neighbor who was a hairstylist that our cigar smell was leaking into her shop. So I had to like upgrade my ventilation system and all this kind of stuff. And um, then the, the, the coffee shop at the end went out of business and my guys, the cigar guys, they would sit there and they would smoke all day long. Like your guy, like your regulars, they would smoke eight cigars a day and sit there for eight hours. So um, I start, I opened up, I took over the coffee shop at the end that was a cafe. So it would serve the, um, it would serve the cigar lounge members. And then we started another cigar lounge and uh, another, ca uh, another cafe. And I had a, then I had my production guy would come in and take photos like all of us do for social media, right? Someone's always taking photos. So, and he worked at a coffee shop. So I'm like, why do you work at a coffee shop? You're really talented. Um, he's like, well, I don't know how to get enough business. So then I went into business with him and started a production company, right? And so I'm looking for my seven things. And then I was flipping houses with, because I had the tools to do it because I own Last Chance Services. And so at this point, I'm 24 years old. I'm a self-made millionaire. I come from 
a low income or lower middle class family, um, self-made, did all this that stuff. Things are going really good. I've been with my girlfriend from the time I'm 20. I'm 27. We moved to Northern California. I buy a plot of land out there. I'm going to build the house of my dreams. Um, I'm flying all over the country to all my businesses. And then um, my wife, my wife's pregnant. And then her water breaks eight weeks early. Um, and we get rushed to the hospital. And then that hospital tells us that my daughter has something called a hydrox. Um, so it's a, my wife's belly, belly filled up really full, a lot of fluid. So they wanted to transfer us down to San Francisco to the big hospital to kind of um, take up for her. And at this time, dude, I'm king dingling, right? Like I think I'm on top of the world. I got all this stuff going on. If you would ask me when I'm 27 where I would be when I'm 33, um, it wouldn't be where I'm sitting today talking to you lovely folks, you know? Um, so at that time, um, they transfer us to a specialty hospital that's going to deliver the baby um, more safely and has more, is more adequate, um, um, has more adequate tools and help and a better ICU and all that stuff. So um, we're, we're thankful, we're hopeful, we're wishing for the best. And the, the doctor decided that she wasn't going to offer us a C-section, which we didn't realize was a big deal at the time, but come to find out, um, she tried to deliver the baby, even though my daughter's stomach was um, way bigger than the head, right? So my daughter's stomach was waiting, wait, like measuring at almost 40 inches, and, you know, a woman only dies dialects to like 10 or she was measuring to 40 centimeters and a woman only di goes up dilates to 10 right so this woman tries to deliver the baby and breaks my daughter's neck um and uh it kind of changed everything changed like that right at that point in time um and that's i i think that's where the reason i'm sharing a little bit of a, a bigger story tonight and i hope it's not is last related so i just want to kind of get full circle on um, there's a lot of things that go on behind closed doors that drive a lot of us and bill shared something very close and personal with him last last week that kind of inspired me to kind of share this with you guys so um thank you for that bill it was uh it was really um nice of you to share with everyone but so my daughter's neck was was broken at birth and um, they already had the big ICU. There were 17 people in the room when she was born so that they could take care of this high drops uh, because the high drops alone only gave her 12% chance to live um, like from, from that point. And she's eight weeks premature. So we're scared. It's our first child. You know, we just got married. We're in a new state. Our families aren't there. My mom flew in as fast as she could. My sister, my everyone tried to fly in as fast as they could, um, but we're alone, you know? Um, and everything changed really quickly. And the craziest thing that happened was Lily is a one of one. So they tried to get us to let go of her within five minutes of her coming. They said she wasn't going to make it. We need to let go, sign these paperwork, right? There's no chance, you know, she's, she's broken. Um, they, they thought, they didn't realize she broke the neck, but when they went into the, we followed her down there to the ICU. And then when they went in, <clears throat> Um, to put the tube down her throat so that she could breathe 
and put the chest tubes in to drain all the fluid, they noticed that her head wasn't connected to her body, that she had a one inch gap between her C5 and her C6 vertebrae. Um, she, and then she, they couldn't do any emergency surgeries or anything because she was dumping out so much lymphatic fluid out of her chest tubes that they couldn't roll her over to fuse her spine back together. So she laid like that for 12 weeks, um, internally decapitated. Um, there's never been another child to live through what she lived through ever in medical history. She's not like a one percenter or anything like that. She's a one of, of one human being. Um, <clears throat> and what happened on that day and the next year, we lived in nine hospitals um, over the next two years, and I wasn't able to work. Um, I didn't care about work. Um, I didn't care about getting rich. I didn't care about houses and cars and Louis Vuitton luggage. None of it meant anything to me anymore. I cared about this, like, this little thing that I couldn't even hold. Um, I couldn't hold, right? And sh she... Uh, can't breathe on her own, she can't pee on her own, she can't roll over on her own, um, but she can move her neck and she can move her arms. And if any of you guys follow me and any other kind of stuff, you see that we, we now take her all over the place. And, uh, but for those first six months, they tried to convince us every day to let her go because she would never go home, right? She would never go home. She would, even if she lived, she would live in a hospice. And I refuse to believe that. Um, so I would call uh, rehab doctors around the country 50, 100 times a day. Like I tell these guys to cold call your customers. Stop being scared to pick up the phone. You know, like a lot of people are just scared to pick up the phone when it can really do so much good for you. Well, I called 50, 100 people. I got a hold of this one dude that we did some work for in my production company. And he said, man, I, I, uh, I just donated a million dollars to Oakland Children's last week. Um, I know the neurosurgeon over there, Dr. Sun, he's been featured on Forbes as top five doctors in the world for doing the longest standing surgery at one time. Let me, let me give you a cell phone number. And I'm like, all right. So he gives me this guy's cell phone number and he, he done messed up now because he doesn't know me very well. So I go to town on calling Dr. Sun and finally he calls me back and like, who are you and how did you get my number? And I give him the story about my daughter and within two days, we were transferred to a rehab facility in Oakland from Stanford. Um, and from there, we got to go from one rehab to the other um, all around the country. But for two years, I didn't get to work, so I lost it all. My cigar lounge went to the people that offered me money. He said, dude, you can see your shelves dwindling. Um, ever since you haven't been coming back, you're going to go out of business. Um, I'll end up getting this place for, for the cost of your rent. And uh, I was like, how could you even say that to me right now? Like, you could have been a little less cold. But um, then I, I tried to pitch it to a lot of other people, couldn't sell it, um, sold what I could um, material-wise and stuff like that. And that exact guy went to my landlord and he got my shop um, for the cost of my rent. Um, lot, we sold all the kitchen supplies and the cafe. The only thing that really made me any money was the real estate. Um, and I kind of say all that to, to bring back the circle of like, you have to simplify. You have to know what you're doing and focus on that and only that until you scale it to completion. 
where you can't scale it anymore. You know, um, you've kind of maxed out. You know that there's a Coca-Cola and there's a Pepsi in every industry, right? So if you were to look into your market, you're going to know the, the big glass company in your market and the smaller glass company and the guy, the runner up, the guy right next to him. And there's always two almost in every single market out there that dominate the industry. So if you're not one of those guys in shower doors, that's where you want to put your focus. You know, you want to put your focus on becoming that guy because if you try to do everything, um, it'll never really work out. So going back into how I got back into the glass business, um, we were two years out. We had taken a train from, from, California, from Oakland and there were, they weren't really giving us the right rehab. And they had a, there's only one pediatric spinal cord injury rehab in the country that that's all they do. It's called Kennedy Krieger KKI. And they're in Baltimore and they're associated with Johns Hopkins. Um, but we had already been dismissed from the hospital and been able to go home at that point because we had gone through this rehab program. And um, so we figure out a way to get there on train because um, they wouldn't air ambulance us. And we were too scared. My daughter's on a ventilator, oxygen, all this stuff. So we take a train across country. Um, we get a, a diaphragmatic pacer maker made at Cleveland hospitals in, in Ohio. Um, and then we take the, the rest of the route to Baltimore and we do the rest of our little rehab stint in Baltimore. Well, by this time I ran out of money. It's about almost two years into this hospital living, ICU, popping, um, just, you know, better, best quality of life for my daughter. And, um, my parents worked for me. So I started the cigar lounge. So my dad, who was a cop, could retire. Um, and so I started this for him because it was his dream to like sit around and smoke cigars all day and get paid for it. Um, so I started this business to help my dad out. And then my mom was just a secretary and eventually we were doing well enough where we let mom come on. So now mom works at the cigar lounge. Well, when the cigar lounge started tanking, um, cause I wasn't involved and I didn't have systems and structure, um, who I didn't have anyone to call. You know, um, there wasn't like the parents to hit up and like, hey, can you help me out? I'm in a bind. Well, so I had about $600 to my name and we still lived in Northern California and we're in Baltimore. So I get a, I get a plane ticket and I fly back to Baltimore and I, I sell everything in our house and I pack up what I can in a six by 12 uh, U-Haul trailer and I drive it down to Texas. And with this, what I sold, I had enough gas money to get me back to Texas. And I move in with my baby sister. Um, and this is 2017, 2017. Um, I move in with my kid sister, um, three years younger than me. She has two extra bedrooms. So she's going to let my daughter live in one and me and my wife live in the other. And so this is like, talk about swallowing your pride here, right? Um, and uh, when I used to just... I. I give, give, I think I paid for the floors for a wedding present in that house, you know, when they moved in, like those kind of things. Like I was more the bigger helper, big brother. And here I am having to move in with her. And I got $300 left to my name by the time I made it to her house and get situated. And my wife, my family is still in, uh, in Baltimore. So I used that last $300 to get a ticket to fly me back to Baltimore. And at this point, I really don't even have money for food. I'm a new father, um, got a wife, I'm supposed to be a provider, 
two years prior to this, I thought I was, you know, I was building a dynasty, a legacy, um, and I don't know who to call. And my uncle and I have always been really close. He's a single man. He has no kids. And I, I called him up and kind of told him my situation. He wired me $2,000 that day. Boom. Um, and uh, sorry, I get a little choked up. Um, but he, he wired me 2000 bucks, and he's the one that owns, owns Ames Marion Glass. And uh, he, I, we got a train ticket, and we, we ended up making it down here during Hurricane Harvey. Um, and so the tracks were overflowed um, in Fort Worth, so we couldn't even make it all the way down to Austin. So he got in the truck and took, up, took off and picked us up in his truck. Um, with my kid on a ventilator and we're trying to figure out how to situate her in a car seat and like her her stroller wheelchair has to go in the bed of the truck it was just a, a whole wild situation but we ended up moving back here and I didn't want to be an entrepreneur anymore I gave up without those dreams and ambitions but now that we were down in Texas and we had help from friends and family and we were able to get nursing um, I was able to go back to work and I wanted to go do sales because I I have a natural knack for sales and marketing. It's something that I really like. So I was going to go do sales for England Volkers and sell private jets and private yachts. And I had already got the job, passed the interview process. And like, like think of the commissions on people on private jets and private yachts. Like it would have been a pretty sweet gig probably. Um, but my uncle invited me to lunch or I invited my uncle to lunch to say thank you. And I went to say thank you and he offered me the job uh, to come work for him at Ames Marion Glass and uh, do some sales and help them grow things. And I'm like, yeah, right, dude, you're, you wish, I'm out of here. Um, I got out of that business a long time ago. And he's like, yeah, I don't blame you, but come back to work for me, come on, man. Um, and uh, I told him I'd go check it out. So I went and visited for a couple weeks and kind of saw that there was a knack in the market. Um, and people were really missing out on like technology. And when I walked in his doors, it was just like it was 20 years ago when I worked there, you know, or however long it's been, you know, it was just like 15 years ago when me and Rob worked there together. Um, and so I just saw that there was a bigger need. So I did a little bit more research and saw that there was, there was more that could be done, like communities like this, like softwares that, um, technologies, automations and things like that. Um, he was in the apartment industry. So he did mainly like all the apartments in town. So I knew I needed to simplify, right, in order to scale, like to figure out what, what was our thing. Um, and he really sold to all the apartments in the 90s. If you lived, you were at an apartment in the Austin, Texas, Central Texas area, you used Angemar and Glass, um, same in the early 2000s. And a bigger company came around um, called Ameristar. And that's all they did was apartment glass. You could ask them to do a shower for the manager of that apartment. And they'd say, no, we do apartment glass. Like that's it. Right. Um, and it was their niche and they, they have, I think like 14 locations and they do pretty good. So I was like, you want me to go up against them? Is that what you want? Um, he was like, no, nah, I don't think we want to do that. We need to do something new. The apartments, there's no money in the apartments. They don't, they don't spend anything. They want it for the cheapest and they'll, They'll, they'll throw you to the side for a guy that'll do it for a quarter less. Um, so at that point, he was doing since 95, probably about a million bucks um, a year, you know, just average, running that steady little wave, lived a comfortable life, um, good life for himself, couple couple trucks running. Um, but that, there was no room for me in a company like that. Um, so like I, if I'm going to come in, we have to be willing to grow. 
Um, so he gave me complete control of the company um, and right to grow it. And um, then at, at now he's halfway retired. He doesn't really come in. But from that point, I threw a bunch of sh shit at the wall to see what would stick. I wanted to know, we got into windows and doors. Um, I got into to trying to compete against the window and door, door companies and only replace the glass because I noticed when we were ripping out the windows and doors that a lot of the frames were still good. It was just the failed IGs. Um, so then we were trying to do whole houses of IGs. I love the, the commercial stuff because I know storefronts. So I really went after chasing storefront jobs. Um, I sold Hensel Phelps. Um, which is one of the, they do $4 billion a year. Um, I sold them with them being there for six weeks was one of my first jobs to sell and it was a seven figure job. Um, so I got my uncle's company from a million dollar company to a $5 million run rate um, in, in one year's time. Um, and it was, it was pretty quick, it was pretty easy. I really got into business development. Um, if you guys are in commercial, I'll drop a good little, uh, the SPMS group. Um, Society of Pro Professional Marketing Services. Um, it is all business development and marketing for nothing but the highest of the high um, contractors out there, the DPRs, Harvey Clearies, the big, big players out there, Kiwit, um, stuff, uh, Hensel Phelps. Um, so it's a great, it's a really good one uh, group to get in. They meet a lot. You get to network a lot. So I, I got into that group and that's how I ended up getting that job really quickly um, and grew the company. <clears throat> what I noticed was when I, we started getting all these big jobs and I'm trying to do all this stuff was we needed different tools. We needed my guys that have been working at apartments for the past few decades um, weren't really good at doing shower doors. And they weren't, the, some of them were pretty good at storefronts, but they weren't efficient. And so by doing all this stuff, I felt like, when I, when I asked my uncle what we should do or what we do, he said, anything but eye auto and drinking glasses. And so like, and I was like, all right, well that narrows it down, you know? And then I was like, anything too big? And he was like, keep it under three stories. All right. Um, and then, so those were my parameters, you know? So I really didn't know where the real profit was. And for me, if I'm going to get into a business and I'm going to really go all in on something, um, I want to know where the profit is. And that's where my relationship with Brandon really met. Um, I was big on Instagram. And so always like sharing my stories on Instagram and Brandon and I met and we would talk all the time. He was like my mentor for shower doors. And, um, and that's why I think like by Bill, Chris, Billy, Brandon, everyone that shares on here, people have no idea how, cool that is to be able to just hit someone up like hey i was doing this this way what would you do in this situation or i have a customer that wants this what would you do um and i think a lot of people are just scared to ask um it really comes down to like people uh let their egos come before um like collaboration um so they're gonna put their ego and and that's gonna stunt your growth every time you know um me I'll ask anyone anything. So like, I, I have no, even if I know how to do it, I might just want to know how you do it um, just to see if you do it different. Maybe I could learn a thing or two. Um, so from there, Brandon and I built a really good relationship and I was going to him all the time. And 
I was really trying to simplify what, what were we going to do? We went heavy into commercial. We were making a lot of money in commercial, um, but you needed a lot of middle management in commercial and middle management is expensive. Um, to get good middle managers. And then the more you kind of build up, you're needing foremans, not only like job foremans, but then job project managers and superintendents and full-time estimators and just things that you don't really need in the beginning stages of the shower door business, you know? Um, and so, but it didn't cash flow. It didn't cash flow enough for me. You're always waiting on your money with commercial. I could talk myself into getting deposits um, which I recommend everyone doing, always like stating in your estimate that you you want a 50% materials deposit because I think a lot of people are scared to ask that in the commercial game. Um, and a lot of bigger players will give you that, like a large chunk deposit right from the get-go um, and then work your own draws on the rest. But um, so I needed something that would cash flow. Um, a good family friend, my uncle used, my uncle and his partner owned a place called Austin Glass Wholesalers. Um, Taylor's on here. It was Taylor's daddy um, that was partners with my uncle. Um, but they owned Austin Glass Wholesalers and they noticed it wasn't, they made IGs, sold mirror, SSB, all that kind of stuff. Didn't temper, um, but we're just like a good IG wholesaler, you know, kind of local shop. I think every town has one um, in Austin. They filled the void in Austin. Well, they noticed no one would buy from them back then um, because they also owned Ames, Marin Glass. So they split ways and kind of separated the businesses. Um, and then once, once Taylor's daddy passed away, um, we, they sold, a, a family friend took over. Um, so I had someone in the business that made IGs so I could get IGs fast. So I called Scott and I put together a marketing campaign because um, I knew people in windows and doors were waiting six weeks eight weeks for to get their retrofits in right and so i'm like i'm gonna get glass in two days i'm gonna measure and in two days i'm gonna have the glass will be installed within 72 hours so rob and i built a campaign um on facebook and it crushed it i mean we could spend 200 dollars and we could make six thousand dollars off that 200 bucks daily and it was just boom and it was popping and so we were cash flowing because we're getting 50 percent down and my margins on windows were crazy so this is when Brandon and my relationship really got good because he runs a custom shower door company, very singular from day one. That's what he was building. Right. Um, and he built an awesome business, but me being the question asker argumentative person that I am, uh, I'm like windows, there's more margins, bro. There's more margins. Like you can tell me whatever you want, but I'm getting five X on my windows. You're barely doubling up. I'm getting more in labor. Um, I'm making more money. Right. And so we would go back and forth all the time. And uh, you can see who won the argument because where I'm at at this current moment in time, um, Brandon won because Windows was unpredictable because you could get into a ply gym window and it would be done with hot melt glue and it would take you an hour and a half to hack out that window. Um, and then all, the, and you have 40, 39 more of them because you sold 40 of them in that house. And you had a day's worth of labor for four guys and now you're in there just cracking and breaking glass all over people's stuff and there's nothing you could do about it, right? Um, so it really, um, it kind of changed the, the way I thought about things. Well, then my daughter had a, a heat stroke in Austin um, and we weren't really getting good therapy so I had to leave. And there's only four therapies in the whole country I could go to in all of Austin. Um, Denver, Philadelphia, Baltimore, or Chicago. 
Um, so we chose Denver. Um, I don't, I, I could say obviously, but you know, you guys could feel differently. Um, but we chose Denver out, out of the four because we thought it was the best place to live. Um, but now it sucks. I just started over my life at 30 years old. I've been building, I got into, I told myself I'm going to focus only on glass for the rest of my life. I'm going to do nothing else. I'm going to solely focus. I already tried to mix and mingle and, you know, um, it didn't work out for me. So I wanted to focus solely on glass. And now I have to leave Austin because my kid again. Um, so then that's where me and Brandon's relationship really blossomed. I, I said, hey, man, I'm moving to, I'm moving to Denver. I don't know if we could work something out or not, but I know you got a little operation and he had a one-man operation out here um, that he had a partner with that he used to do. Um, they were paramedics together um, and they, they actually did glass like when they were like 18 years old together um, in San Diego. And so it was just Tom out here. And what I brought to the picture was more like sales and marketing and Brandon already had the, the the systems in place, right? And the way that business ran. And by us getting together, we were able to grow this company by almost 4X in the first year that we got, got here. Um, and now we're looking to double that this year. And then from that, we were like, man, we should teach other people how to do this. It'd be really cool. Like if we could help other people, we see so many people struggling like my uncle were, if we could come together and build. And that's where Glass Experts Partners kind of came to play was we wanted to help other people. Um, we wanted to kind of give it all away. Um, and then we developed some software um, and we white labeled some software that we brought to the market. So we were trying to like help other people a little bit more, um, but it, it didn't really click with a lot of people. Um, so then we kind of got to the point where we're like, well, we need like some credibility in the marketplace. Um, and we need to educate people another way to kind of lure them in and tell them who we are. So then we wrote this book, um, it's called glass expert secrets. Um, and it kind of gives the whole game, um, everything we do and how we do it and why we do it. And, um, we've really got to the point where this will be out on Amazon, I think, in August. Um, it should be ready and live on Amazon. You can get a copy of it. Um, but I think it'll really... Want like, an autographed copy, man. Yeah, dude. No, Come on. Come on now. There. Throw me a bone here. Chris, you got a copy, man. Now, so we even hit up Chris because Chris had the biggest Facebook group out there. Um, and we are like, how can we do something? How Instead of trying to compete with Chris, we asked how we could collaborate. Um, and that's kind of where even these Wednesday night calls came from. Um, we wanted to meet on Wednesday nights to like educate people. So I say all that long winded stuff um, and I tried to crank it in as short as I could to say that if you focus on one thing and you really, really focus on them, we're in business here. So I'm going to talk money for a little second. Okay. And I know money is a sensitive subject to a lot of people, but which is weird to me because we're in business. Why else did you get in it? Um, when it comes to money, it's like profit is what matters, right? Not revenue. And so Brandon and I are like very, very big on like trying to dial in and, and really ramp up our margins. Um, and the way that we're able to do that, and the more we notice that we're able to do that is the more simple we make the business. So even, um, and I'm gonna speak on Brandon a little bit, but even though Brandon gets to do a ton of really big custom stuff, 
Um, he stays in that heavy glass interior niche, you know, really tough, but mainly just railings, wine cellars, mirrors, and showers, right? That's it. Um, we talk about sometimes those big railings, even though the check looks so beautiful and it adds so much to the bank account, are you really making as much money than you were just running your shower door cruise day in, day out with the same cruise doing the same stuff? And you're not. It looks great on Instagram and stuff, you know? Um, and even the commercial, but like when you get into those bigger railing projects, six figure plus railing projects, and they're taking a while and you need, you know, project managers and foremans and stuff like that. So um, the more that we really analyze the business and the more that we talk to you guys and even, even listening to Bill last week, it's like Bill knew what he was getting into too, you know, like to build what Bill's built. It's all about like simplifying and becoming the best the best and the go-to in your industry for that thing. Um, and you can build that thing to a big thing. There's, there's some, you know, probably heavy eight-figure companies out there um, that only install shower doors for the most part, you know? Um, and so, like, if you guys want to really build something, I wouldn't focus so much on trying to do everything, you know? In the beginning, you feel like you have to because you got to pay the bills. So maybe that hack out can be worth it. But just remember this one thing. Every time you say yes to something that you don't want to do, you're having to say no to something else that you probably wanted to do. It almost happens every time because you're either missing that phone call, you're missing that email, you're saying yes, you're stuck out in the field doing these other things. When really, if you just would have said no, and maybe you didn't have a customer at that point in time, but you went and did some guerrilla marketing like Bill was talking about last week, um, or like Billy's been talking about, just to go out and use that time, your downtime, to execute and find more customers to sell them the product that you do want to install, um, the business that you're actually trying to install, you know? So um, that's that's my, my rounded rounded way hope i didn't bore anybody um but i'll leave it open for discussion now well you said you yeah. moved to northern california where was that at do what you moved to northern california where did you move to oh i, I had two properties we're, we're like uh but i really was in like petaluma area Petaluma, okay yeah and then you're talking about you know doing commercial work mm -hmm. Well, here in California, you can't get deposits for commercial work. I've had like every contractor, all like even like the big ones, like Hensel Phelps told me that no way, DPR told me no way. Um, and and then we used to do a lot of commercial work up to about 1980, and it dried up. So every every billing cycle, they kept 10 percent of your of your bill. Yeah. And then at the end of the project, so let's say the flooring tiles popped up, you didn't get your month, you didn't get your attention until everything was, was cleared up. So that's yeah. the way it works in California. Yeah, they still, in Texas, they still do a 10% hold at the final end of the project. I mean, we, we, we did a wastewater treatment plant where they built the substations all the way out to the treatment plant. That, that took like five years to do. We did the treatment plant. And at the end of the project, they fired up the computers and the, the motors were spiking the, the computers at the treatment plant. So they have retention in everybody that worked on the 
on the, the pizza plant. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, so we got out of that. So now I just get a check on it. <laughs> yeah. And that's even, even on the, so even simplifying down the shower door business even more, um, who is your avatar in the shower door business, right? Like a lot of guys that I talk to, like uh, Steve, he, uh, he just has this couple contractors and they pay him well and he goes after his contractors and he knows he's going to get his money and he's a firefighter. So he's not really worried about like, you know, a whole bunch of new business. Um, well, we, we I hated happy. contractor work um, because Brandon gets tons of contractor work, but it's the same as commercial. You're always waiting on your money a little bit. Um, I like homeowners um, because 50 down, 50 when I leave, right? Like, I mean, you're well, it's in California, California. You're only allowed 10% down. So yeah. Like, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I figured out how to work around that. I do yeah. too. It's all the really, down really, really, really <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I, it's not, I don't take a deposit. I take a, a down okay. payment. And that payment, payment is for work that I've already done. I figure that showing up and taking measurements is worth about uh, 50% of, of the job. I've done about half the job, half the work by the time I just show yeah. up there. You know, like I did a house in Carmel. It's over $200,000 worth of work. No contract. And I needed, I needed money to buy from uh, Pulp Studios. He wrote me a check for $30,000, you know, and I bought the glass. You know, that's, so does anybody else have a, a question for, for Chance? This guy, this guy's a smart guy, man. He knows a lot of stuff. Chance. Been through a lot. Chance, you said you were talking about your the real estate and owning your you were leasing and then you owned. Um yeah, I was I was flipping properties back then. Um, but I my first couple um I got sentimental feelings for. Um, so I held on, I held on to them and tried to lease them. Um, and it, it ended up being all right, but I had horrible tenants. I lived in another state. So managing them was, was difficult at that time. So I would do it again, but I would, I would make sure I did it local. Even if I hired another property management company to, to run them these days, but I tried to have friends kind of doing that kind of stuff for me. Um, and I was really trying to get into land deals. Um, there was a little town. Logan on the call, he's my salesman down there. Um, he, a little town where he lived right before it was called Jonestown. And Austin, if you know it, is growing like insane, man. It's just, Austin is a small town that turned to a big city. So Jonestown's right on Lake Travis before you get out to Lago Vista, which is a really nice part of town. And there's just this really small town that no one was doing nothing with. Um, and everyone said it was like a crack haven, but it was on, it was on the water. Um, so I was going over there and I was buying up every property I could buy um, from $8,000 lots to $15,000 lots. And I was buying them up left and right. Um, and I was going to, I wanted to become the mayor of Jonestown um, and do it and be, do the development there and kind of like change the stigma of the city. Um, like I said, I had some big ambitions back then. Um, I don't think they went away. I just, I try to like zone them in nowadays to, to just the glass business. So how's your daughter doing now? Or how old is she? Uh, my daughter is five years old. Um, she'll be six ne next March. Um, she can move her right arm. Um, she can move her neck. Um, she talks on a screen that's um, called a Microsoft Toby. And so it's an eye gazer and it reads her, it reads her eyeballs. 
and my wife has it programmed with like all of her favorite TV shows, her favorite songs. Um, and so she can scan and sing along. She can ask pictures of all of us so she can say hello, daddy. When therapy comes to the house, <clears throat> my family's from Texas, Southern Texas, and kind of has a little twang to them. So my grandma always say like, go on, get, get on out of here. And uh, so she put on go on, get on my daughter's Toby, but it talks like a little electronic. So the, the therapist would be like, Hey, Lily, how are you doing? Go away. And she, the, she'll be like, oh, Lily, don't say that. And Lily say, go on, get. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, uh, so just, uh, yeah, she's she's a great kid, man. Um, so can't I, ride bikes. Um, yeah, I had a niece that was born with her intestines on the outside. So that's yeah. what And she's now 40 years old doing this great. That's awesome. Yeah. It's always good to hear the the good come out stories. So, um, yeah, she she's a she's a hoot, man. We have a lot we have a lot of fun. We just we took her to Uray, Colorado, this past weekend. Um, so we I can't take her to ride bikes and stuff like that. And you know, just to to end on that note, um, just on a on a perspective kind of note, um, when you get up in the morning, you like you stretch a little bit, right? You take a big stretch and you usually stretch your chest back and you yawn and you get up and you brush your teeth and you take a piss um, and you do all those things. And when you're sleeping at night, you roll over. If you're uncomfortable, you roll over to the other side. Well, my kid, she can't do any of that. None of it. Not one thing, right? Um, and she smiles bigger and more often than anyone you've ever met in your entire life, right? That's great. So no matter how life gets you or what life gets you down um, and, and what you're battling with, you know, um, and like I know every single person here has that story um, like I do and like Bill does. Um, but use that stuff to fuel you, you know, um, and like have yeah. a different perspective, you know. Um, that's a, a beautiful little girl in there that can't go run with her little sister. Um, she, she can't piss on her own, you know. I my wife, we don't even have night nursing, so my wife and I get up every two hours and we rotate sides um, and drain her tube every two hours, and we don't have weekend nursing. So, like, we do all this stuff constant, 24-7. It, do it doesn't stop. Um, and I still do all the things that I do. So, like, um, don't ever say you don't have enough time. It's like you're, you're not making the time to do what you want to do, you know? Um, we all have the same 24, 24 hours in a day, whether it's Warren Buffett, Bill Dobbin, Taylor Mitchell, it doesn't matter. All, all the hours, they're the same. We clock in, we clock out. What you do with those hours, man, that's up to you. Um, so I get up every day and I'm positive and happy. I go to life with a, a different perspective than most um, because I, I get to wake up at 4.30 in the morning every day and I get to roll my daughter and I get to see her smile back at me and she uses that one arm to give me a knuckle sandwich. And uh, from that point on, like that's all the motivation I need I know that not one of you is going to outwork me every ever. Um, and you might feel different than that, but that's how I go through my life. That's the mentality that I have is I'm never going to lose because I got outworked ever. That's not going to be the reason I lost. I'll tell you that much. Um, and since I've been doing this stuff with Brandon, I don't think we're going to be losing anytime soon. Um, we got some really, really cool stuff going on. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm super stoked, man. I'm happy to, be on this group and learn from all you guys. I can't wait to see who's going to share yeah. the little saga. Yeah, chance, chance, man. I want to, um, I want to thank you for sharing that story, man. Uh, it's inspiration. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and you know, since, since we're telling truth and honesty and, you know, coming from where we really come from and, um, <clears throat> you know, 20 months ago, I had just got done doing a six year pr uh, prison sentence and got out of prison with $40 and a cell phone. And I, you know, I thought I wasn't ever going to have anything. My dad owned uh, Ames Marion Glass with Uncle Troy. Um, I didn't have a job to go back to. Um, moved to Corpus Christi, man, and uh, worked two jobs, man, and uh, saved up enough money to where I could finally start opening up my own company. I remember I got my shirts and my cards in there from before I even had a DBA or an LLC where I was passing out cards, wearing my own shirts, doing side jobs with a dream of like, hey, one day I'm going to make it. You know, I'm not going back to the lifestyle that I had. And, um, you know, just sitting here hearing you say everything that you're saying, it, you know, it, it inspires me to want to, talk you know and want to tell people my story because not too many people thought I was going to make it and you know I just you know the thing is is I I believed in myself and that was enough for me and I pushed every day and I I just I spent you know how much I'm about to spend on inventory with a big contract that I just got you know and um in two weeks on a Friday, I'm going to be picking up the biggest check that I've ever picked up in my life for the rest of my life every two weeks. And, um, man, if my daddy was here, he'd be so proud of me. And, you know, you've guided me with these showers, man, and these mirrors. And like you said, I, I was one of those people who were trying to do everything auto, residential, commercial. And uh, I closed it all down and just started doing showers and um signed with the biggest home builders in Texas, you know, yesterday and um, doing an extra 25 showers a week um, and what, five times 10, 30 extra mirrors a week. Um, you know, it's it, it's just crazy to to hear those stories, man, and where we have came from and how far we've come. In, and, and it ain't from, you know how you said, uh, nobody's going to out outwork me. And I swear to God, I ain't going to fail from lack of trying. You hear me? <laughs> And so it, it's good for you to tell that story, man. And um, maybe maybe I'll start sharing mine a little bit more because, you know, there's a lot of people in my situation that think like, hey, man, you know, I'm a felon or, hey, man, you know, I don't got much or, hey, I got $40 in a cell phone. Am I ever going to make it? Well, 20 months later, I own a company. I got five trucks. I have two houses. Um, I take care of my sister. I just got engaged. Um, man, dude, I got... I got more things going for me now than I ever have in my life. Or even honestly thinking about my dad, I think that I'm outgrowing what my daddy did. You know what I mean? And so he would be real proud, you know, that angel on my shoulder being like, man, dude, you did it. And nobody, I didn't take any handouts. I didn't take any help. Um, shit, I wouldn't even let my sister buy me a pair of shoes whenever I got out because I told her that I didn't want any handouts. I wanted to work for everything that I had. So I washed cars until I could get a job so that I could go and buy myself some tennis shoes and, and some shorts and, and some nice clothes to go and get a job at a glass company locally, you know, and um, where I, from where I was at 20 months ago, man, walking out of them gates to I'm sitting in a $90,000 truck right now, dude. It, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's uh, God given, man. God's good, you know. Just like with your daughter, you know. God, I, I believe in the Lord. I don't know if everybody. Amen. Else does. Yes, brother, preach it. Come on now. No.
but those those are true blessings you know and um your daughter's an angel man and and my daddy he's my angel and and the way, same way that she pushes you man you know I, I hear my daddy all the time in the back of my head boy you better go get it hey you're not up at the shop if you're not 10 minutes early you're late you know what i mean right and so right. I, I just want to thank you for sharing that, man, because, you know, I, I'm going to start sharing my story and maybe I can get somebody that is where I was at or, you know, uh, maybe even worse to realize that, hey, a dream is, becomes a reality with putting it into effect, you know? Yeah, I'm going to get in touch with you, Taylor, and, and have you um, host one of these because okay. I'd, like I'd like to hear more of your story for sure, man. Okay. Dude, congratulations, cool, brother. Congratulations, Taylor. That is, dude, I'm tearing up over here, man. That is so fucking cool, man. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah man. And, uh, man, Brandon and Robert Gomez and Chance, man, they have helped me so much. Um, man, dude, I've failed. I, I, I have failed a few times and had questions that I didn't know. Um, I got a business partner who's in Cabo a lot. Um, he's out of town a lot. And um, so I've had to learn to finance this whole company by myself. And, um, you know, I just kept kicking and kept, 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 kept kicking, man. And I wouldn't give up. And, um, you know, between them three, and I've known Chance and Robert since I was probably gotta, 10 years gotta, old, you know. You got to save some of that. He's gonna let yeah, you yeah, save some of that. Yeah, like a bottle that shit up. Yeah, that's it, it, man. Because it's like it's almost dinner time now. You know how. Hey, hey, well, y'all, hey, well, y'all go eat most definitely. Because hey, I'm hungry too. I'm <laughs> good, man. I can tell I'm you hungry sound too. hungry. That's good. Yeah, I'm still. I'm, I just got home, man, and I'm. I was in the backyard, but the mosquitoes were eating me up. So I was like, man, I'm gonna go and get back in the truck. <laughs> yeah. But uh, hey, Chance, thanks for sharing that, man. I, I really do appreciate it, man. For real. Yeah, it, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, Rob posted in, in the chat, you know, he's asking when, when that book is coming out. Uh, yeah, be sure, sure be sure to let us know, really, man, when, when that becomes available. And um, we'll do another one of these. Maybe we'll have you and Chance on at the same time. We can talk a little bit about the book and kind of pitch the book a little bit. Yeah, I think because uh, Brandon fun. like jumped in. He just talked about handrails. Everyone else is kind of like their story as they went along. So uh, Brandon's got a really great story. It'd be cool to let him come yeah. through and yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, and it, it's interesting because like my blog post this month on um, the Glass Magazine website is all about specializing. You know, so it's like it's funny, man. We're kind of on that same you know wavelength and. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in just finding a, a niche, you know. And I mean, and, um, even look for you. I mean, you are the shower door man, you know, where you're at. And you're a one-man operation. You run a successful company and a very expensive place to live, you know. So it doesn't mean you have to grow big and own tempering facilities and multiple locations and all that. You can, you know, some guys just want to work for themselves um, and do quality work. But that same mindset of the specialty, I'm sticking to what I want to do. Um, and that, that, that simplicity of that is what gives you peace of mind, right? Helps you sleep exactly. at night. Take away the exactly. And if you're somebody who like, like Chance and I have that in common that we have like a lot of irons in the fire. So, I mean, if you want to do a variety of different things, it really does help to really specialize in an area. And that kind of frees up some, some time for you to, you know, pursue other more artistic interests or 
or whatever, you know, because yeah, you do need multiple streams of income, but we'll talk about that more next time. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm really, I'm really, um, um, inspired by history. Um, I, I just want to say I would never give up. That's what I just get in that, that I will never give up. That's just what it's, the story is all about. Never give up. Yeah. There's always hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. You keep it up, yeah. That's right, yes, man. Boss. That's yes, right. Boss. <laughs> yes, boss. All right, you guys. Thanks keep up the good host. work. Appreciate we'll see you next it. time. Hey, this is Chris Phillips, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. You may want to join the Shower Door Professionals group on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and search for Shower Door Pros and you'll find us. I look forward to seeing you.